What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's Levin Black. Levin, we've tasted defeat for the first time this year. And I have to say, I forgot how much it stinks when your team loses on Sunday. <laughs> it doesn't just stink. It tastes like shit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it, it's not fun. Let, let's say that. It has not been nearly as nice of a week. You know, I don't have neighbors coming up to me going, wow, that party looks really good. You know, they've pretty much avoided me all week. It's incredibly frustrating because they look so good when they play their best. And yet on Sunday, they they were just off. I, I want to give credit to the Browns because the Browns are a good defense and, and all of that stuff. And Jim Schwartz owns Kyle Shanahan, by the way. For all the jokes we make about Sean McVay being Kyle Shanahan's son, Kyle Shanahan is Jim Schwartz's son. Okay, it's clear. He's now 1-9 against Schwartz. But, like, Brock was just missing guys. You had more penalties. I think 12 more penalties in the game. So it was just like we know they're better than what they showed. It, it's frustrating because despite playing about as poorly as they could, they sh- should have still won that game. Like they should have won that game. And it falls on multiple people like Kyle Shanahan's game plan. Uh, I'm assuming Ray, Ray McLeod, not being prepared to fill in for Debo. You have uh, obviously the Jake Moody is probably the easiest and biggest culprit. The refs like, it's like if any one of those things go differently, they won this game and they should have won this game because you should expect your kicker to make a 41 yard field goal 100% of the time. Can't expect him to make every field goal every time, but that's more of, you know, when you're hitting 50 plus, if you make it great, if you miss it, oh well. That's kind of how I am with 50 plus. Yeah. 41, make Gotta a damn kick. Yeah. Yep. Got to have it. We're going to get to a little more on the kicking situation because you were fired up by something that a member of the Gold Standard Network said earlier this week. We're going to get to that. Plus, your hero, Steve Young, was on KMBR this week and had a couple of really interesting things about Brock that I want to pick your brain about that I know you haven't heard, which is awesome. I love springing things on you. But I want to remind everybody to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you really want to support the show, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Pods because that helps us get up the charts and more people can discover us the higher up on the charts we are. So please leave a review. This one comes from 49ermat54. Rob and his team do a great job of providing all the content any fan can need. They cover the team with an unbiased opinion and tell it how they see it. Truly great job by all except Levin. All right. Technically, I added that last part in, but we all know it's true. Yeah, that was pretty obvious. You're mm-hmm. so funny. You know, you, you're really the uh, comedy chops. You you lead that way on this network. Let me tell you. Super funny guy, especially the way you dress. You know, I, I heard that little quip you had with Grant whining at the end. You know, the funny part of all that, you gave me credit for the whole Woody thing. I was not the one that said it first. Somebody put it in the comments. Oh, really? I, yeah, somebody put it in the comments, and I put it up on screen. I was like, now that's funny. I hadn't noticed that. But then uh, I made, I made obviously, the picture, which then added to it, and you reacted uh, in a way that you should know better. If you had just been like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, funny, funny, they would have moved on. But you showed how much displeasure you had with it. So now it's a it's a thing. You know, You're welcome. You just, 
you wear plaid on the show one time. <laughs> it was yellow plaid. I think that was the big part of it. Never lets me hear the end of it. Okay. Uh, Andre, YouTube channel member. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. Andre's a member. He says, ugly game, but if Moody makes that kick, they're 6-0, and and people wouldn't be talking so much crap about Purdy. 41 is a chip shot for every NFL kicker. Right? Let's get to the kicker thing right away. We can get to the Steve Young stuff in a minute. People obviously want to hear about the kicker. I am not on the Robbie Gold solves all our problems train. He made 84% of his kicks last year, okay? He missed a 41-yarder against the Raiders that could have won them the game. Now, the difference was it was tied, and he got another chance in overtime from 25 yards away, which he made. Jake Moody also made a 25-yarder on Sunday. So if we really, like, I just, I don't think the Robbie Gold thing is a real thing. Um, And I have confidence that Moody is going to bounce back. Do you have confidence that Moody's going to bounce back? Undecided. I don't know enough about Moody. We haven't seen enough. I have no idea. Young young players crumble. If I remember correctly, that Roberto uh, Aguayu, he started out, I think he made like, he had two good games, and then he had one bad game and never recovered. Yep. Right? So that that's, that's the worry. I don't know enough about Moody to know for sure. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to say that. But as far as gold goes, I don't need another David Akers year. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't need the, hey, I made the NFL record, but I'm really old. And the next year, the wheels fell off and David Akers had a horrendous season. Gold was the oldest kicker in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. He showed signs that he's starting to miss the cheap shots. Like you said, he missed a 41 yarder. He uh, only made 84% of his kicks. You can't expect him to get better. So you're going to get worse. You're going to just willingly accept, say, 80%. No. You're going to go out and get somebody. Now, I disagreed with who they got. I do not agree with getting a rookie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wrote the article. We've talked about it multiple times. I don't need to go in depth on it. But rookies struggle in the NFL. I would have rather spent the money that you were spending on Robbie Gold and gotten a guy like uh, Matt Gay. Who That's who you money. want. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, Diego says, Rob, you mentioned Robbie Gold on the instant reacts. That's true. And I, I stand by it. I said on the instant reacts, Robbie Gold makes that kick. I think he does make that kick in that spot. The problem is he's got to make other kicks in other spots and attempt other kicks in other spots. And I don't have confidence in him to make those. And people will say, whoa, it doesn't matter if he makes the clutch ones. Well, if he makes the earlier ones, you don't need the ones at the end of the game. So I'm just, I think there's a different kind of moron goes by Robbie anyways. Right. I seriously, I mean, he could have been Rob gold. How good. Like that is a name, right? Like Robbie. uh, It's not the same. A uh, spy versus spy makes a good point. Not on the Robbie Gold train either, just not sold on Mooney is the answer. The problem is, if you don't want Robbie Gold and you don't want Jake Moody, who are you going to get? I don't even know who else is out there, to be honest with you, in terms of kickers. I mean, if you want to dive deeper into it, I've said for a couple of years now, I don't understand why teams don't invest more money in terms of scouting for kicking, because there are guys out there that could be great NFL kickers that ended up playing division three division two because college teams don't spend money on scouting a kicker like college kicking is horrendous and NFL teams don't do it either and to highlight that I remember the Rams when Greg Zerloin came out of nowhere and what did they do they said they assigned one scout that in addition to his normal stuff they said pour over every single kicker in the nation and figure out the best guy. We don't care what level he played at. 
and that's how they found Greg Zerline, who's still around kicking for, you know, what, 10 years later now, I think it's been. But then you look at the guy that I'm, I'm blanking on his name because I got a Guayu stuck in my head. Uh, the, the guy that's in Dallas, he's a rookie kicker. He played professional soccer and decided, hey, I'm not going to make it in this. I'm going to go kick the, for the NFL. And now he's having the best rookie start of all time. Yeah, he's perfect on the year. <laughs> uh, so to me, I, I wish that teams would invest more money because there are guys out there in the country that could be great professionals and teams just don't spend the money on it. I don't know why. Not money. They don't spend the scouting time on it. And I know I've heard a couple of former special teams coaches say that they don't know what they're looking for. Also, like you have to be yep. able to tell whether or not so hire your former kicker, right? You, you know, your sure all time you... great kicker, hire them to go find a kicker. You know what I mean? Like Speaking it's not that difficult of kickers and kicker comments. You were upset over some comments that Jason Aponte made earlier during his show, bully ball on Tuesdays. Uh, I want to play the comments for people. And then you can well, react. This is a small part of the comments. I didn't even know you had grabbed this as the yes. highlight. I okay. listened to the pod. Okay. Well, here's here's a snippet. This kick is one thing. That face, that face, that is the face of a young man that is losing his confidence. And the yips are on the way. That is Don't. not what you want to see. Buck up, Jake Moody. Buck up. I know your other issue was that Moody was crying. Right? Or right. That well, that's why Jason's saying that is because... He could see tears. You can tell, you know, he said earlier in the show before that comment, he could tell that Moody had just been crying and then went on to say that he's probably going to go cry again after the interview made that joke. I have issue with it because the way Jason put it is, oh, if you're crying, you're weak. And that's a sign that you lost your confidence. And to be honest with you, fuck all that. Like it pissed me off. I texted you about it. It does me off. We need to stop that crap in this country and in, in the world, really. Men can cry. It's okay. How dare Jake Moody care so much that he cried about it, right? That that just pissed me off. doesn't mean you're weak. Crying does not mean you're weak. So we just need to stop that because that, that's toxic masculinity. You're saying Jake Moody, his confidence is shot because you can see that he had tears in his eyes? No, I, I'm not behind that. And it really does bother me. Like, I can J- tell. Jason's a good guy, but that comment bothered the crap out of me. Like, no, it does not mean he's lost his confidence. It means he cared so much that he got emotional about it. It's okay for men to get emotional. It doesn't mean they're weak. I think that clearly Moody was emotional. I mean, he looks like he's going to, he's, he's feeling it, but that doesn't necessarily mean a crisis of confidence. I agree with you. He could just be so upset that he lost, not like, Oh, I can't, you know, I'll never be able to do it again. I think it was just literally like we had it. Like we had the game. They put me in the think about it. If you're the kicker, right? You're sitting there. You've already missed one and your team is battling. They are struggling, but they are battling. They haven't done anything in the second half. They had negative 12 yards in the third quarter. They basically couldn't do anything. They had one drive in the fourth quarter, really. And there they go. They go all the way right down the field. They get to completion. They move it right in the middle of the field. And it's like, okay, kick this through and and we avoid disaster and Jake Moody gets out there and he just pushes it to the right and they lose and everybody in that locker room is looking at him I know they were supportive but he knows what's up he knows the deal and I think it crushed him and it's his first loss at the professional level also I I put, get put yourself in his shoes right you it's a unique thing to kicking when it comes to 
the football field, I think. You're already looked at as this guy that's not really a football player. And by the way, Jason says that too, and that bothers me too, but whatever. You know, the kick the kickers and punters aren't football players. You know, they're just here and they better do their job. That's something that a lot of fans believe. That's something a lot of football players believe. A lot of NFL players believe that the, the kickers are here because they have to be, right? They're not really a football player. So you have that stigma on you, right? And then you got to come in and you got to win the game and you failed and let everybody down. Everybody's looking at you saying, if you just did your job, Mm -hmm. this one play, we win and you cost us the game, right? Now, I don't know that anybody in the locker room would have said that. I I seriously doubt that. But that's how you feel being that person, right? And that would make you emotional. You literally cost the team the game on a single play. You know, it'd be like, having the last play and you have a wide open touchdown and it hits you right in the hands and you drop it. You feel like you lo- you let everybody down, but then you add to it the whole stigma with kickers. So I don't blame him for being emotional. And I'm not okay with people saying that him being emotional is a sign of weakness. Darwin says Moody also has to expect that he'll get a lot of flack for missing, but he's just got to rise above it. It comes with the job. If you listen to his actual comments, he does. He right. explains it like I get it. I, he said, I wish I have another shot, but that's not how this job works. I know what I signed up for. Like, if if you just read his quotes, you'd be like, that's exactly what I want him right. to say in that spot. But if you saw his face and how he said it, you came away with a totally different feeling. So, so here's the thing. The sign of weakness that Moody could have shown is being on the team bus and avoiding the media. He could have done that. People that's have true. done that. Kickers have done that. But no, he sat there and faced the music. How many kickers get interviewed? They only get interviewed when things go awry the only time the media wants to interview the kicker is when they missed a big kick right it's true and there are a lot of kickers that hurry up they d- either don't shower or they shower super quick and then get on the team bus on a road game before the media gets in the locker room so they don't have to face the music he sat there and faced the music that's a sign of strength <laughs> thomas watching on youtube says for every vinatieri you got gary anderson scott norwood blair walsh and ray finkel Ray Finkel wasn't real, okay? Not real. <laughs> There's plenty of real kickers to cite. We don't need to go to Ray Finkel or Einhorn. What do you know about Ray Finkel? Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> Einhorn. If you, if, you, if you don't finish that one, I was going to be done. It was going to be a short show. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Credibility on the line there for sure. But I, I think that Moody, you know, I think he will bounce back. I hope he does, honestly. They all need to bounce back. It's not just Moody. Brock needs to bounce back. Ayuk needs to bounce back. The run defense needs to bounce back this week. They all got to get right against Minnesota. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I've been asking everybody all week, what do you want them to do with McCaffrey, Debo, and Trent Williams? Do you want them to play? Do you want some mix of them to play? How do you want them to handle that? Uh, I want Trent and Debo to play. I do not want Christian McCaffrey to play. From what Debo said when he was on with you know, your buddy, Kay Adams, I think he's fine to go, right? doesn't seem like it's that serious. Uh, it's To Christian McCaffrey, n- n- 
I'm not messing with back injuries. Mm. You do not play a running back with back injuries. It's oblique. Oblique slash rib is what they say. Right. But that's the type of injury that one hit makes it so much worse. Right? Yes. That's so right. To me, I, it, it's not worth the risk. Now, Debo, part of it is, yeah, I'm willing to risk him, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Wow. That's part of it. But I think I think losing Debo and Christian McCaffrey in the same game has a massive effect because that those are your short yardage, you know, easy completions to get five, 10 yards on early downs and, you know, keep the drives going type type plays, get things, get the confidence in Brock going, things like that. Debo. Yeah. I'm, I'm just being honest. I, I want him out there. And if he ends up getting injured and it's worse, like that's the risk I'm willing to take. Not that I want to see it, hmm. but he's not, overly integral to this team i don't think he he's going the way of kittle right? <laughs> the former guy that you relied on that no longer is needed because other guys emerged darwin says albert breer said the viking stadium turf is worse than the metlife turf i have not seen that or heard that i know metlife is pretty bad uh justin jefferson just got hurt on the on that turf there at uh us i think it's us bank stadium it is um, i'm trying to do to nail down an interview with Paul Allen, who's the Vikings play-by-play, radio play-by-play guy, who's awesome, by the way, best mm-hmm. play-by-play guy in the league. I'd love to get his opinion on that. I don't want him to play any of them, to be honest with you. I keep saying it. Don't play him until after the bye week. I think all the Niners have to do is go one and one in this stretch. You go into the bye six and two, you're in great shape. I think I think it's worth it. Even if you lose one of these games, I think it's worth it to have those guys rested and you know as healthy as possible down the second half of the season are you with me there uh yes and no i i think you need one of debo or christian mccaffrey and i would be very worried playing a left tackle that's not trent williams in this game and i'll give you a statistic for why okay do you you know who leads the league in blitz percentage Uh, i'm gonna say the vikings wow you're such a smart guy yeah let's go baby amazing part they not only lead the league in blitz percentage, they lead by 11%. <laughs> they're blitzing at over 50%. No other team is there. Like So they're going to be blitzing a lot. And it's going to take a lot of short throws, quick quick, uh, quick routes, things like that. So you want the screen game. You need Debo because they're going to be blitzing constantly. You need somebody to be able to run those, right? So to me, I, that's why I think Debo needs to play. His injury is less serious than Christian McCaffrey's, or I guess less risky is the take I would have. So I'm willing to risk him because they need him in this game because this team, here's the other part of it. The Vikings don't allow catches to running backs. They don't allow catches to tight ends. They're number two in the league in terms of yards. They've given up 92 receiving yards to running backs this year. The league leader is only at 91. So they're one yard off league leading, giving up to running backs. And then on top of that, tight ends, I think they're like fourth, fourth best against tight ends. They've only given up 190 yards to tight ends all year. So it's a wide receiver game. Like you're going to have to have screens to wide receivers and you're going to have to have, this is the IU game because you got to be able to win your matchup quickly because the ball has to come out. This is going to be like the Giants game all over again. Purdy's going to have to have the right pre-snap read and he's going to have to get the ball out to people like IU who can win their matchups very quickly. That's exactly what I was going to say. If the Vikings want to blitz, great. I think Brock has proven that that plays into his strength because his strength is mental and processing and knowing where to go with the football. He'll figure out where the blitzers are coming from and he'll get the ball in the right spot. I'm fine with that. 
what I think we saw in the Browns game was if you don't blitz, you can still get pressure and you play man coverage. That I think is his kryptonite because I don't think he's as accurate as some people think he is. He can be accurate on any one throw, but I don't think he has the repeatable accuracy where, you know, every single time he's putting it right on the dot. I don't think he has that. I just, I don't think maybe he can work on it if he had an off season of throwing, but he didn't have that this year. And so I think that's the kryptonite, but just blitzing. I think that plays into his hands and plays right into Kyle's hands. It does. And that, that's why, you know, I'm confident the Niners win. I will say the Vikings are not as bad as I thought. You know, when you look at their statistics, they're not as bad as I was thinking. You know, I thought that defense was terrible. That defense is middle of the pack on pretty much everything. They're middle of the pack. I think they're 16th in, in uh, uh, rush defense, and they're like 17th in pass defense. They're an average defense. They're not great. They're not. They're not bad. I thought they were really bad, and part of that is they started out really bad and they've improved. The but, Niners are six and a half point favorites on the road. Right. So Vegas thinks the Niners are going to. But look who the Vikings have beaten: the Panthers and Bears. What's their combination of wins this year? One, two. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of bad. They can't run the ball at all. Which... There, there's there's one aspect that that has killed them. And that, that's going to be the story of this game. Yeah. They're, they're the second worst turnover differential in the league. The Niners are the best. The Niners are plus eight. That is the best in the league. The Vikings are negative seven. That is second worst in the league. Only one off from leading the league. So if they don't turn the ball over, they're not a bad team. The problem is they've been turning the ball over. They lead the league and lost fumbles. They've lost nine fumbles. That's crazy. Right. I think they lost four in one game. Um, so it's a little inflated, but the point remains, if they don't turn the ball over, this is the team that you saw win a bunch of games last year. Right. Yeah. Now, but without Justin Jefferson, it does change things a little bit. I, I will say that. And a lot of their wins last year were come from behind wins. One score One games the fourth where Kirk Cousins was pulling stuff out of the fire. It shouldn't come down to that. If you're the 49ers, it should not come down to a situation where you have to stock Kirk Cousins late in the fourth quarter. It should just be go out. Look. The 49ers have not had this taste in their mouth of a real loss in a long time. Yes, the NFC Championship game, but I think a lot of them, correctly, yeah. by the way, said, we didn't really lose. Circumstances kind of took away our shot to win that game. Like, I, name a team that's going to beat the Eagles with no quarterbacks. Like, it's just not going to happen. Right. So they didn't have that same feeling of, we lost. They do now, because they lost last week. And so I think they're going to come out. Greenlaw's hopefully going to be back, which I think is going to help ratchet up the intensity because that guy mm -hmm. only knows one way to play, and it's awesome. And hopefully they smash Minnesota right in the face. So what do the Niners struggle at defensively? Stopping the run. The, the Vikings can't run. They're third worst at 75 rushing yards a game. They have been under 100 yards rushing in four out of six games. Like, they can't run the ball. Clearly, they made a mistake letting Dalvin Cook go even though Dalvin Cook's not doing much with the Jets, like their run game is terrible. But the, now I'm going to transition to things that are positive and why I think the Niners are going to win pretty easily. The Vikings offensively, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're just inside the top 10, but they've been a lot worse lately. In weeks one through three, they averaged 340 passing yards a game. In the last three games, they're averaging 188 and that rushing attack hasn't gotten any better. So that <laughs> offense is cratered in the last three weeks. 
and now they're without Justin Jefferson, right? So to me, they're not going to be able to score points. I said that against the Browns, and I guess the Browns didn't really score that many points. It's just the Niners decided not to score many points right. either. Niners scored less. Sign me to nine watching on my Twitch page, which, by the way, is now GSN49ers. So you don't have to have the separate stats on fire. Username for that. It's GSN49ers. Sign me to says, is Kirk Cousins going to go all out to audition for Kyle to sign him next year? Here's the thing, Levin. I don't think we're out of the Kirk Cousins woods yet, honestly. If Brock keeps missing guys and not playing well, I don't think like, oh, he's the franchise guy. It's his job to lose. I don't think Kyle looks at it that way. I think Kyle is like, Brock is the best guy for this year and we'll see how it goes. So I don't think, I think Kirk Cousins is still kind of auditioning a little bit. No, that, that, this isn't Monday. We're not doing overreaction Monday. That's overreaction to a single game. Brock is on pace for 34 touchdowns and three interceptions. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he's not doing bad. Bad games happen. And by the way, the whole narrative would be different if Moody makes that kick. Because Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, all the greats have had terrible games, but then they make the last drive at the very end of the game, and the narrative is not like, hey, you struggled and your team should have won this game big. The narrative is, wow, you struggled, but you came through in the end because you're clutch and you're an all-time great. Right? That's the normal narrative when all-time greats suddenly come through when they played like crap throughout the whole game. Brock did that. It's just the kick was missed, and that's not on him. To me, like, no. This is Brock. People want to say, and I heard you say it with Grant, like, Kyle is never, he's really hard to be sold on a quarterback, and he's very quick to give them up. Did you not see Jimmy Garoppolo hang around for four freaking years? Like, he doesn't give up quarterback easily. He hung around. He hedged his bet constantly. Like, he's not somebody that quickly goes, well, screw that guy. I'm going to move on and try to find somebody better. He goes, I'm going to hang on to this guy forever until some miraculous injury happens to prove me wrong. I don't know. He got rid of Trey Lance pretty fast. Well, that's because Brock emerged. Do you think he would have gotten rid of Trey Lance if he wasn't that confident in Brock? If he was still thinking, I might move on from Brock. I might need a franchise guy next year. Do you think? that he would have allowed Trey Lance out the door? I don't think so. Especially when they didn't get much in return. To me, that means, yeah, he's sold on Brock. And that's what he said. And look, we see Kyle Shanahan lie all the time. (laughs) I I think it's pretty easy to tell when he's not being fully forthcoming, like the Christian McCaffrey. We haven't had MRI results yet. Yeah, bullshit. (laughs) You're at the top of the line. You're an NFL team, and that is the MVP leader leading candidate going into the previous week, right? Yeah. You're telling me his MRI wasn't done at 9 a.m.? Get out of here, right? But I think on that, he was being genuine. He is sold on Brock. Brock and him are the perfect marriage. Brock is the exact quarterback he likes to have. We'll see. Sign me two nine says, does Levin not hate us on Twitch anymore since it's not just stats page? (laughs) No, he still does. I I don't care about Twitch. Like, I, I, I'm not negative on Twitch. I don't. It's just a thing. I made a joke one time because you were always like, I got my one viewer for like an entire year. And so it became a thing. Hey, I don't, I don't hate you. What do you call them? Sign me to sign me to nine. Yeah. My Twitch audience is loyal. All right. That is that is as loyal as they come. So I always appreciate that. Let's transition a little bit to some comments that Steve Young made on KMBR yesterday as I was putting together 
49ers in five, I happened to come across this. And I know you love Steve Young. And I always find his interviews to be really interesting. So Steve Young talked about how Brock has had a lot of help around him. And eventually, as a quarterback, you have to step up without help around you. But Young turned it into kind of a positive thing. Here's Steve on KMBR. It's actually a great opportunity this week for Brock to now take everyone going, wow, what, is, what was that? You know, and then go, to, go on the road and change that narrative. Like it's, uh, you know, now I know that he can come back from a bad game. And I know yeah. that's all. We haven't seen that yet. So it's all the scars that are coming and then fighting through them and thriving despite it is what needs to happen. So no, everyone wants to, to decide it right now. And the fact is, you don't know, I don't know, and Brock doesn't know. We got to go through it together. And we'll, we'll know it when we see it. Steve Young is not ready to make any declarations on Brock Purdy. And I agree. And I agree with him. Like, he can flip the narrative if he plays well on Monday. Quarterbacks have bad games. Joe Montana had completely crap games. He had games where he barely completed a pass. Steve Young has had games where he threw three, four interceptions. It happens. Tom Brady has had those games. Peyton Manning's had those games. And I'm not comparing Brock to them. My point is the best quarterbacks of all time have had games in the regular season. And some of them have even had them in the playoffs where they played like absolute dog. So let's not overreact to a single game. I do agree that yes, we don't know about Brock for sure. It's not a hundred percent that he can come back. I understand that. I am sold on Brock, but he is ripe in that we have not seen him have to respond to getting basically punched in the mouth, having a game where you played like crap. Does your confidence get shaken, right? Do you start to crater? Well, what do we know about Brock? He is an unflappable, confident guy. So I'm very confident that he's not going to crater because he had one bad game. But I feel like people are trying to say like, oh, see, now, now he turned back in the pumpkin. You know, it's midnight. The clock struck midnight. It's over. No, get out of here with that crap. That's frustrating because it's like you never say anything after all of the other games that he had. And it's like, well, you can't just totally discount those because they don't back up your narrative. If you're comparing the amount of good games he's had to the amount of bad games, clearly it's overwhelmingly overwhelmingly a greater amount of good games. But then Steve continued and he had a suggestion for how he thinks Brock could step it up, especially if he doesn't have the help around him like Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Here's more Steve Young. I think he's more elusive and can attack the line of scrimmage more than he certainly is today. And I think he could grow into that. So I'm not saying he can't, but if you're saying that he's going to play the position in a very guarded, careful, you know, uh, system way, I think the game is not that game as much anymore. So that makes it hard. And again, the degree of difficulty for, for Brock to play through that in today's game, especially at the championship level is harder. And so we're going to have to, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. And he's got to keep an eye on it. He might have to adjust his game and say, you know what? In those big games, I've got to up the risk level. I've got to create more opportunities. I've got to, I'm not going to be 14 touchdowns and and one interception. Like I'm going to have to take more risk. So those are things he has to grow in. So again, I don't want to say he can or can't do anything. I said originally, let him cook. I love who he is. And I think we got to just live through that. And hope that the dynamic nature of the game today, that he can fill that void in, in his own Brock Purdy way. Do you agree that Brock maybe should be a little more mobile and use his legs a little more? I mean, he, he's not going to outrun anybody. We all know that. 
do I think he's had opportunities to like run and get three, four, five yards, and then he doesn't? Yeah, but we've also seen uh, some of his touchdowns this year have come when he's extending that play, when he could have gone and just gotten a couple yards, but instead he extended the play and he ended up, ended up getting a big completion. So take it for what it is. The, the, the problem I see is Brock, he's not going to be able to escape to the outside because he can't outrun anybody. And the problem for the 49ers O-line is the interior. That interior, especially, I don't think Brindle's having that good of a season. He's not been bad, but Burford's been terrible. Yeah. Banks Banks last week was terrible. And that makes it really hard for somebody like Brock to truly be a scrambler because he's not going to be able to run to the outside and run. You know, when you're running laterally, he's got to run 10 extra yards. He's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to get big scrambles going to the outside. He's got to go up the gut and do the interior ones. And the Niners, like, I wouldn't do it if I was him. That interior line is getting whooped constantly. I don't think he has to, like, run, but I think he should scramble more, to be honest with you. I felt like we haven't seen the elusive kind of scrambling Brock as much. And I think it's because the Niners have kind of told him they don't want him going off script as much. I think he hasn't found the balance of when to do those type of things and go off script and move around and when to stay in the pocket. I think he probably got... When he first got in there, he was a little too quick to bail because he, you know, probably wasn't quite sure of what he was seeing. And he was, you know, first action, rookie year, all that stuff. And now all he's heard from the coaches is don't do that. And he's swung too far in the other direction. And he's actually passing up maybe some opportunities that he should take. And so he hasn't swung back to the middle. And hopefully he will. But people like, I don't think people realize how little Brock actually runs in his career. If you're watching on the stream right now, I just threw up his career statistics. The most rushing yards Brock Purdy has ever had in a start is 20. And that's also the only start where he's had at least 10 rushing yards. Like he doesn't use his legs to gain yards at all. And I think there are some opportunities, especially if you have Debo out and McCaffrey out where maybe you should step up and use your legs a little more. If it's there. Yeah, go ahead. But to me, like what throws has he made this year where you said, what the heck? That wasn't open. There's very few, right? There's been very few throws where you're going, what the heck were you looking at? Right? So to me, he's making the right decision and it's not like he's taking a ton of sacks. So it's not like he's just holding the ball and not trying to scramble and taking sacks. And it's not like he's throwing balls in order to not take a sack that are boneheaded throws that shouldn't have been made. He's making the right throws. Last week, he was horribly inaccurate <laughs> but he's making the right throws so to, so to me like yeah you can look at it and say oh he could be rushing more and he doesn't get a lot of rushing yards and he's elusive and all this stuff but at the same time like what plays show me the plays that you go wow he made a stupid throw he had all this yardage in front of him he should have just run i can't think of a single one off the top of my head i'm not saying that he's been perfect because i'm sure there have been some but it's not like he's sitting here making like hurried throws where he's like i don't want to take the sack so i'm just throwing it up you know what i mean like it's not like he's been sitting there going i'm not going to try to scramble i'm not going to try to avoid the pass rush i'm just going to throw a jump ball that's what jimmy garoppolo does right <laughs> so he hasn't had those throws he hasn't had all those throws where you're going what the heck are you doing so what are we talking about here it's kind of my reaction to that I honestly, I can't remember a play off the top of my head where I can say he definitely shouldn't have thrown it. He should have run there. Um, 
But I do think, especially like in the red zone, sometimes the drives stall out because I think he hangs in there too much. Like I would almost rather him say, first read's not there, I'm out. And then, by the way, if you decide to run and somebody opens up, you could still throw them the ball. Um, I just I agree with Steve Young. I think if you're if what you're going to do is just straight drop back and pass and throw, I think your margin for error is way, way smaller in today's NFL than it used to be. And that's all. You know, I just think that Brock needs to find the balance is all you can run for at least 10 yards a game. Just pick up, you know, first downs and stuff like that. So you're not always dependent on CMC to do it for you. We'll see. Like. When you watch the games, text me if you see a player like, see, there's one. Okay. Right? I'll be watching. I I like literally can't think of it. There have been times where I saw like, oh, he could get three, four or five yards. And then he uncorks one and it ends up being complete. So, I mean, the guy's still completing over 70% of his passes. But like, it's not like he he's wasted all these opportunities is, is my point. Like, I don't, I don't feel like he's wasted all these opportunities and he could be sitting here with 100 rushing yards on the season. I hope we see it. If if everyone's, well, I should say, if everyone's back, he won't need to. But I think Steve's point was, if he doesn't have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, maybe he's got to he's got to pick up the slack for that, I think is kind of Steve's overall point. Sure. That's easier said than done, though. True. Like Steve Young was, I, I've always thought of him, he was a fullback, right, when he was running. Because he was breaking tackles. He wasn't like, crazy fast he just had really good ball carrier vision and could break tackles not everybody can do that like steve young is still what i think fourth all time on rushing yards for a quarterback i mean yeah he's he's a so like not everybody's steve young this just in levin this is the kind of analysis you get on the program (laughs) not everyone is a hall of fame quarterback steve young another everybody is literally the most accurate quarterback of all time until drew Brees came around (laughs) And also a rushing freak. Another guy I want to see step up is Kittle. I need to see more from George Kittle. I was on with Steph Sanchez earlier this morning on her channel. And I'm sorry. One catch for one yard on two targets. That ain't going to do it. Okay. That's not good enough. It's not good enough on Kyle for drawing up enough plays to get George the ball. And it's not good enough on George to get open on plays. Because I'm sure it's not all Kyle's fault. You got to get more than that out of your tight end that's making, what is it, 16 million a year this year? You have to. It's the nature of how teams are defending the 49ers. The 49ers have to get the ball out quick because teams are coming after them. That's not Kittle's game. You know, I, I've said for years, Kittle's not a great route runner. He's not. He's just a. He's an athletic freak at the tight end position. So if you give him enough time, he's going to get open because he's fast once he gets up to speed. He's not a good technical route runner. He's not going to win matchups super quick. That's the problem that we've seen with this offense sometimes is when Ayuk isn't out there, nobody can win a matchup quick. Juan Jennings, not going to win fast. Let me tell you, that's not his strength. Debo Samuel, sorry. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is correct. In that Debo's not yes. a great route runner. Yes, Debo's not is. a good route runner. That's not what he is. Period. Get over it. We've known this. That was something that was said at draft time. Like everybody knew Debo's game is not route running. It's after the catch. And then you also have Kittle. Like nobody's a fast winner of routes except for Ayuk. And that's why in a game like this where the team's going to blitz like crazy, it's going to have to be Ayuk wins his matchups. 
Yeah, Ayuk is really good in man coverage. This was my little pet process, Eleven. How many of Ayuk's touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, have come in the red zone? Yes. Oh, uh, let me see. 18. Okay, so obviously you were listening. <laughs> 18 of Ayuk's career 20 receiving touchdowns have come in the red zone. Why? Because he can get open against man coverage. He's the best yeah. at it on the team. Debo has 13 career receiving touchdowns. Only five have come in the red zone. And I I bet you, I didn't look this part up, but I bet you at least three of those are on screen passes that he just trucked people and got into the end zone. Or, he, or like gimmick, you know, where he was in the backfield and he gets a little pitch forward. So it's considered a pass. Right. And he's not really beating man coverage. Yeah. I just, you got to get more out of these guys. And and I keep seeing this with Kittle and it drives me nuts. Oh, Kittle can't get it. He can't throw himself the ball. Like JM six seventeen, he can get himself open, and I got to tell you, if Kittle's open, I doubt Brock Purdy's passing him up many times down the field. So yes, Kyle needs to draw up some plays for Kittle. I agree with you, but it's not all on Kyle. It's not like George Kittle is open all the time and people just aren't throwing him the ball. Like stop with that. I I gotta get. I'm tired of t- hearing about George Kittle's blocking. I really am. Like I, that's not why he's getting all that money. That's not why he's getting all that money. And I don't think Kittle is. Let's call it what it is. He's lost a step. He's in I don't, his 30s. I don't think he's as fast as he used to be. Just what it is. It, it's n- human nature. Age is undefeated. You know, like he, he has lost a step. He is not the same player that he was three years ago. That, that doesn't mean that he's not a really good player still, but he's not, I would say he's not elite anymore. He is with pass blocking. If you want to say combined between the two of them. Yeah. He's probably still a, at a level that's elite for tight ends. But to me, how much is it really worth it if somebody's an elite blocker and only a decent receiver, right? I, I feel like Kittle, like I said, his, his route running isn't great. So the moment he loses his step, his, his ability to be a receiver uh, goes down really quick. He, he's somebody that's going to lose that. He's not Kelsey. Sorry. Kelsey no, is a ridiculous route runner and also has an incredible feel for zone, right? How many times have we seen Kelsey just goes and sits in the center of his zone and it's not part of the script? He just recognizes it and Mahomes gets him the ball. That's not Kittle. So to me, yeah, I, I do think that uh, Kittle has lost a step. And look, I, I, I think he is very much the uh, backbone in terms of the mentality this team has. He is certainly a leader. But I, I had this thought, I'll be honest, I didn't plan to go here today when people were talking about Brian Burns and trading for him. How do they afford him? Oh, I would put Kittle in that deal in a second. No, no, no. Not put him in the deal. But the way you afford him is you trade for him. You have some cap space. And the next year, uh, yeah, somebody like Kittle is the price you pay. And I would pay that price. I would trade for Brian Burns, give him a big extension. And then in order to afford that going forward, yeah, you have to let somebody like Kittle go. Sacrifices have to be made. But Kittle... To me, this is this offseason, maybe one more, is the time to get rid of Kittle before the wheels truly fall off. The problem is they just restructured George Kittle. So yeah, I know. it becomes harder to get rid of him. JM16617 uh, says Kittle has a better separation rate than Ayuk this year, but sure, it's Kittle's fault. Look, I don't know anything about separation rates and who's ahead of who. Here's what I know I would really like to see the plays where Kittle is wide open and Brock Purdy's not throwing the ball. Like, so show me those plays. The separation think- rate. If I'm not mistaken, that separation rate comes on only when targeted. And we've 
what, what did we just see the Kittle's last long reception? He was wide open by like 30 yards. And when you only have like, what, 14, 15 receptions on a year, it skews the data. So it's not a reliable statistic at this point. Salty Cyclist uh, has a good comment. And this is a comment that Vish made on Monday too. Uh, Salty says, CMC gets Kittle open. And Vish's point is basically all the other guys on offense benefit from CMC, just like the quarterback does, because he draws so much attention that he creates opportunities for other people. And if Christian McCaffrey's not there, then obviously defenses don't have to worry about that. They can focus more on other people. And the other thing with Kittle too, Levin, is like, he's not the guy that, that defensive coordinators are scheming to stop anymore. He was at one point, but not with number one, the other players the 49ers have. And number two, I don't think his skill level is at a point where people need to scheme to stop him. So like, you should be able to get open. And yet, most of the time, he's either not open because Kyle's, throwing the ball somewhere else or he's just flat out not open so it's very frustrating with Kittle because I love I love the way he plays I mean, look his jersey's hanging in the background of my shop for a reason but man he has not produced you know the funny thing for Kittle is you know you know how you game plan for him you blitz and you know what Shanahan's gonna do oh I gotta hold Kittle into at least chip block that's but- the way you limit Kittle you just blitz <laughs> and if you blitz or you send a rush over to that side, Kittle's going to be late to his route or stay in the block completely. That's how you limit him. And we see that a lot. And I think teams do it on purpose. Don't let Kittle be part of the passing game plan. I would much rather just have Brock be able to get the ball out of his hands faster and maybe potentially to Kittle. Like we saw remember Kittle against the Saints on fourth down. That was just a quick little out pattern that Kittle took 40 yards down the field because he's a horse. Let's forget the Kittle pass blocking. Forget it. It doesn't even work that well, by the way. Spy versus Spy continues to ask this question in the chat, and now he's made it a super chat. So I'm going <laughs> to derail the show to answer this question. How many games did Steve Young win without Jerry Rice and Ricky Waters? Off the top of my head, I don't know. But if you're telling me that Steve Young was nothing without Jerry Rice and Ricky Waters, I think you're out of your damn mind. Without both of them? Probably none. Because he probably always had Rice or what? Well, actually, that he has the Rice injury year. So, but Waters wasn't there all that long with Steve Young, right? When did Waters leave? Waters left in '95 or '96, I think. Yeah, and Young has talked about that how that was a huge mistake letting mm-hmm. Ricky Waters go. Uh, so the year that Jerry Rice got hurt was 1997. By the way, Steve Young went 12 and three that year. Just yeah. throwing that out there. It's also now, Waters with two T's, by the way. Yeah, and let's see if I can bring this up really quick. Of course, I can't because here we go. There was no Ricky Waters on that team that year, by the way. It was Garrison Hurst yeah. who ran for just over a thousand yards. So, yeah, that by was the way, first year with us, Steve Young without Jerry Rice and Ricky Waters is light years ahead of Brock Purdy without Christian McCaffrey and without Debo Samuel, even with those guys, by the way. So, let's just stop trying to make that comparison. Sorry, I just. The respect or the lack of respect for older players is crazy, man. First take yesterday, Stephen A. Smith and Chris Russo are talking about wide receivers. And Stephen A. Smith says he would take Tyree Kill right now over any other receiver ever. And Russo is there like, are you out of your mind? Do you not know that Jerry Rice was a player that played? It's crazy how people just, as soon as you're out of the game, people just forget all about you. You know what I could do with for going forward on this show for all time never mention those two names again 
Like Russo, (laughs) don't ever mention Stephen A. Smith. The guy doesn't know football, and he's shown that multiple times. He's stepped in it multiple times. It's clear he does not watch football. The only time he watches football is to troll the Cowboys. That's the only time. Yeah, the guy's not a football fan. He is a basketball guy. Period. And he purposely says to get attention. So let's not give him that attention. I hate. I really. I loved Stephen A. Smith when he first got to ESPN because I thought he was very knowledgeable. He was very analytical. He was great on basketball. And then as soon as he got on that show, he realized I got to be more crazy than Skip Bayless, and he jumped the shark. It's worked out for him, though. Sure, <laughs> for you. It's worked out for Grant Cohn too. I wouldn't want to say all the things he says. Yeah, Grant does say some things uh, sometimes. So, okay, those are my Steve Young comments. We got to that. We got to the kicker stuff. Uh, let's get to the defense. If Dre Greenlaw is back, there's no way the 49ers give up anywhere close to 160 yards in this game. He is, he's the violence on that defense. That's what I've come to realize, Levin. Like, Fred Warner can fly around and stuff and make some tackles, but, like, that it's just different with Greenlaw. He brings a violence. He brings a a swag to that defense that was really missing last week, to be honest with you. Yeah, he, he gets down with the sickness. That's what I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that song fits him well. Come on, get up, get down with the sickness. Like, that's what he is. He He's going to make you sick because he's going to come through and he's going to hit you. And, yeah, every once in a while, the hit's going to come late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you know what i'm okay with it now because he they the use that. yeah he does set the tone i agree now if only our defensive line could set the tone if we want to talk defense i gotta get more i got i gotta get some sacks where guys are actually blocked can we do that like bosa's had a couple of sacks this year but he's been unblocked on two of them two of the three i think let's see it as against the stationary quarterback like kirk cousins this week I want to just maul him. I want like a boa constrictor. Just wrap that pocket and just squeeze and squeeze the life out of them. That's what I want to see. There's no reason that they shouldn't do it. Can I make a bold take? Always. I think from what I saw out of Gregory, I think he's a poor man's D Ford. He's not quite, you know, D Ford's speed, speed rush with the, with the bull. That, that was an all time unbeatable move to me. But I think he's very, very good. I think he brings something this defense hasn't had. I think he ends up with seven-plus sacks in his time with the Niners. Ooh. He already has one. That means I think he has seven-plus sacks. I think he ends up second on the team. He's going to have more than Hargrave and Armstead. And I think he makes Drake Jackson a complete and utter afterthought. Like, Drake Jackson. I I, I forgot to look. I was going to go look and see. There, well, there you go. I was curious how many snaps Drake Jackson has. He's invisible when he's out there. Yep. He really is. I think Gregory and Cleveland Farrell are going to end up taking over that position. Cleveland Farrell has been pretty good against the run. He hasn't been much of a pass rusher. He's been pretty good against the run, and Randy Gregory is just a, a great pass rusher. He's got that speed. For Randy Gregory to practice three days and out-snap Drake Jackson, who's been here for a year and a half now, or a year and a quarter, let's call it, that's telling. Like team, First of all, yeah. teams don't go out and make trades for no reason. If they had confidence in Drake Jackson – they're not getting Randy Gregory. They brought him in because they recognized it ain't good enough from Drake. And Gregory, to his credit, has looked pretty good. Hopefully that continues and maybe he can get a little more comfortable and do even more. But I agree. Drake Jackson, like, we whiffed. But it happens. He's I wouldn't not- say necessarily whiffed. I don't think he's terrible. He's, you know, when you when you draft in the second round, I don't think just because you're not a, a great starter means, oh, you whiffed. 
second round for a reason. But second rounders are starters, man. Mm, that's what you hope for, but by and large, they're not. But he's not facing the other team's best pass protector. He's not getting double yeah. teamed. And if you can't have an impact when it's just you and one other dude, I'm sorry, man. You're not it. He's not it. He is a depth piece now and nothing more. Yeah, I would agree. He's on this team, a depth piece. I think there's some teams he could start on, but can we just chalk him up to another of, he's in great shape. He's changed his tune. He's going to be awesome this year. Because mm-hmm. that was the uh, training camp vibe. He did He did look a lot different physically. He did. This year. The problem but is- At the same time, you're still the player that you, that you were. He doesn't have any pass rushing moves. Which is crazy because he plays on a team with Nick Bosa who has every pass rushing move. That's what I was going to say. If you're playing with Nick Bosa and you haven't learned a pass rushing move, you just don't give a shit. Or you're not capable of learning the mental, you know, muscle memory. I you mean, got literally you- the encyclopedia of pass rushing moves over there and you can't learn them? Come on now. Look, I know the Bosa was holding out, and so maybe like he didn't get the champ, but like you had all off season, and I just yeah. So, but and I, I saw your eye roll when I cussed again. By the way, I what are we at seven now? I got geez, you're gonna give the bleep button a workout. Um, when somebody criticizes somebody for crying, yeah, I'm, there's gonna be cuss words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Ricardo, it's says, good that there were two days between because I was a lot, a lot more mad on Tuesday. Ricardo, thanks for the comment. Rob, bleep it out. I will do just that. Do you think the Niners make a move before the trade deadline as we wrap up here? Trade deadline's Halloween. There have been rumors that the Niners are sniffing around defensive backs. There are rumors that the Niners have been sniffing around a couple different places. I actually think Isaiah Oliver has kind of stabilized a little bit and hasn't looked as bad as he did early in the year. He's definitely looked better than Ambry Thomas. But do you think the Niners make a move before the deadline? Yes, I just don't know how big a one. There will be a DB added. Whether that's through trade or they just pick up somebody, I think they know that they don't have the depth and they're one injury away from either Lenore or Mooney Ward to being screwed. Like, that's the problem. It's not that the starters, like your Nick, Isaiah Oliver, he's okay enough in the nickel, right? You can get by. Like, he hasn't been good, but there's very few good nickel corners out there. There's a reason why so many of your star wide receivers move to the slot and then dominate. Uh, But an injury to either of those two outside guys in this defense craters. That's true. And maybe you do need to add that now before the injury. That would be fine with that. Yeah. Josh Norman's not available. Okay. You can't go get him this time. Damn, Mm, (laughs) man. What are we going to do? How about them Niners within? Oh, sorry. My bad. Wrong comment. How about them Niners? Womack and Luter, are they ever coming back? He was asked, Kyle was asked about Darrell Luter earlier this year. and He said, I don't even know. I haven't asked about him. I don't have an update. But Luter was someone they were really high on. And I think it was, I think it was Adam Peters who said something that you almost never hear 49ers people say. And that was, not only do we think he's good, we think he can be good right away. And that was kind of surprising, especially for a defensive back, man. So, you know, the we fact never... that Kyle doesn't know is not a good sign. Yes, I would agree. That. I, I, if Luter comes back, great. But the fact that Kyle doesn't know does not give me any hope. Waltony101 on Twitch. Mind your f***ing language, Levin. Better write that one down, Rob. Let's all watch as he writes it down because he yep. just cussed. Aw, uh, Woody cussed. Imagine that. Look, 
I don't ever want to give people a reason not to listen to our show, right? If you're driving around, you're about to pick up your kid from school, whatever the case may be, your kid's in the car, you got a long trip, and you want to hear about the 49ers, I want people to know that they can have this show on in the car, wherever they are, with kids around, with little ears listening. So yeah, I take the time and the effort to bleep out your incendiary potty mouth so that our show and our content can reach a wider audience. So I think the phrase you're searching for is thank you. One, this isn't ESPN radio Two, Disney's coming for you. They're (laughs) they're coming for you. (laughs) JM 617 says the real world has cuss words. Yes, it does, but I'm a parent. Okay. I've got two kids. There have been podcasts that I wanted to listen to that I didn't put on because my kids were in the car. So I don't ever want to give people a reason not to listen to us. In fact, if you know there's going to be no swears in our show, you may put us on over some other 49ers pods that you have. So that's why I bleep it out. That's why I write it all down. And thank you to Daniel, who says he appreciates it. He listens with his kids. So there you go. Yeah, that's fine. You bleep it out. Good. You're doing your job. I'm proud of you. You did more than Jake Moody did last week. Oh, <laughs> way to bring it full circle. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you appreciate everything that we do, if we've provided any value for you, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Pods. It is the absolute best thing you can do for the show. We are not the number one 49ers podcast on their charts right now, and I am not happy about that because I think we have the best 49ers content out of anybody, and I would say that to to people's faces i would say it to croc's face i would say it to mayoko's face i would say it to anybody i think we have the best next week tell grant you have better coverage and content than he does i will <laughs> you know grant's doing a show with ray ray mcleod now he's gonna do it i think it's on yeah. tuesdays i was wondering why he went conspicuously silent when i bashed ray ray mcleod for his performance last mm-hmm. week now i know just call, um, just call him grant k adams <laughs> Red and gold till I'm dead and cold says, oh, wait, best content, no doubt. Yes, thank you. Says, <laughs> thoughts on Jacecki, the tight end, Mike Jacecki, uh, is he like rumored to be out there? I haven't heard that. I, I, was, I, don't, I don't care if he is or not. There's a reason why no nobody really utilizes him. The guy can't block my grandma. And as I've said on previous shows, I haven't had a grandma that's living for like five, six years. <laughs> <laughs> say, does she have like a nasty swim move or something um i always like jacecki's physical talent but i mean he is in new england they're pretty good at using tight ends if they can't get anything out of them i don't know why and like the 49er didn't they just draft two tight ends like you would think we could see one of them anyway all right uh apparently there's trade rumors so if any trade does happen don't worry we'll be live we'll do breaking news we'll hop in we'll be all over it Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Have a great Thursday. Levin, are you going to join us for the instant reaction on Monday night? I was wondering if you were going to ask. Yes, I will. And uh, at great sacrifice because my alarm goes off at 4 a.m. We're on the East Coast, which means uh, I'm going to probably be on with you as the clock strikes 1 a.m. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun Tuesday. Can we not have a 50-minute first quarter like we did in last week against the Browns? It was 50 minutes. I know. And it was a boring 50 minutes. Yes, it was. No freaking penalties, man. Let's get that cleaned up. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.